Merry Christmas, everyone. I am super excited to celebrate the birth of Jesus with each of you. The fact that God loved us enough to send his son is a tremendous gift. It's the greatest gift of all time. Jesus is the greatest gift of all time and, and the focus of this season. In fact, he's why much of what Christmas is can be marked by peace and hope and joy and expectancy. He's the reason that's the case. But I realize that for many of us, the holidays can also be hard. Whether it's painful, complicated family dynamics, maybe some past experiences, or just simply the reminder of loved ones we've lost, the holidays can be a hard time. It's been nearly five years since my mom lost her battle with cancer, and I still miss her. But I especially miss her at this time of year because she loved Christmas. She went all out at Christmas. And I miss her. But even in that space, I have peace and hope and joy. Because what we celebrate, or I should say who we celebrate, gives us things like peace and joy, even in the space of loss. That's why Christmas is so special. Now, we love the decorations. We like the music, the parties. Some of you even like the ugly Christmas sweaters. But one of the primary components of Christmas is gifts. All kinds of gifts, all shapes and sizes, some large, some small, from all different types of people. Some gifts are old and some gifts are new. Some gifts are expected and others are unexpected. Some gifts are handmade and others are regifted. Which just for the record, regifting can be an acceptable thing at Christmas. Because there are some gifts that just have the gift of being given. Like this plunger Christmas tree I received last year. <laughs> that, my friends, is a gift you just keep on giving. Maybe you've received a gift or two like that before, and maybe you have regifted it. If that's the case or not, the reality is that the gifts are a foundational component of Christmas. Partly because of the wise men and the gifts that they gave to Jesus of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But more importantly, it's the reality that God gave us a gift. And the gift was Jesus. That's what makes Christmas special. And that's why gifts are an integral part. Now, when it comes to gift giving, there's actually a spectrum that we all fall on somewhere. It's a spectrum where at one extreme are people who don't know what they're getting, let alone what they're giving this Christmas. And then on the other end of the spectrum, the people who bought and wrapped their own gifts. You have people on this end of the spectrum who will be surprised, and you have people on this end of the spectrum who have been suggesting and hinting all along the way, just like Ralphie in his pursuit of a BB gun. There's a continuum, purposely waiting for whatever, purposely pursuing particular gifts. It's not really right or wrong, it's just different. In fact, let's just take a poll real quick across our network. If you're someone who prefers to wait for whatever, in a moment I'm going to ask you to shout the word wait, if you like to wait for whatever. If you're someone who likes to pursue particular gifts, in a moment I'm going to invite you to shout the word pursue. So if you like to wait for whatever, you'll say wait. If you like to pursue particular gifts, you're going to shout pursue. Bettendorf online, everybody here at Rock Island, I want you to get in on this. I'm going to count to three. Are you ready? You're going to shout wait or pursue, whatever you prefer. Here we go. One, two, three. Yeah, I think that was like 50, 50, right down the middle. <laughs> you know, for me, I like to be surprised. But if there's a particular gift, man, I can go into pursuit mode. 
And depending on the gift giver, if it's my family, if it's my wife or kids, man, we can go into high gear. I can go into high gear. Because it starts with hinting at the gift and then suggesting at the gift and then maybe telling what the right gift would be. Then buying the gift and giving it to them so they can give it back to me to even buying it and giving it to myself. Don't judge me, people. How we get a gift is one thing. What we do once we have it is another. Listen, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I lived with an unbearable sense of anticipation for Christmas morning. It wasn't wishful thinking. It was hopeful expectancy that the previous investments for 364 days would yield great reward, good behavior leading to great gifts. And not just any gifts, the gifts on my list. Now, in my family, we exchanged gifts. For us, it was just an expression of love to one another. And we exchanged gifts with all across our family, even to aunts and uncles and cousins. But it was my parents and grandparents who were most committed to giving great gifts. They weren't necessarily large or expensive. Sometimes they were complete surprises. But most of the time, they were the one or two gifts that were at the top of my list, the ones I most wanted and desired. So you would expect that... I had a lot of excitement for Christmas morning, just knowing that. I was always excited Christmas morning, so much so I would often wake up at like 3 or 4 in the morning wanting to open presents. And I would go to my parents and say, can we open presents now? And I would inevitably be banished to my room to wait in my room until they got up and came out of their room. It took forever. It was like 6 or 6.30 by the time they got up to open presents. And it was really hard to wait. And, and to be honest, I didn't always wait well. A couple of Christmases, I low-crawled out to the living room with a flashlight just to check the packages and see what names are on which gifts and which will be mine. I know it was sneaky, but I already told you I lived with this unbearable anticipation for Christmas morning and the giving and getting of gifts. So with that understanding, you would probably expect it to be really hard for me to be given a gift but not be able to open it. I mean, it would make no sense. As a kid, it would be unthinkable to be given a gift and not open it. But one year, that's exactly what I had to do. See, when I was about nine years old, I wanted one particular gift. It was a die-cast metal car. And not just any car. It was a 1970s Pontiac Firebird Trans Am. I'm not talking about Smokey and the Bandit or Knight Rider. I'm talking about Frank Poncharello from Chips. Pontiac Firebird Trans Am, not gold but black. Just like this one. And one day while shopping with my grandparents, I found it. She was a beauty. You have to understand, at this time, at, at this point in history, the reality is you couldn't get on the internet, do a few clicks, and order anything from anywhere around the world and have it end up on your doorstep within days. At this time period, if you wanted to get something, you had to find it in the store. And if you found it and didn't buy it, it could end up being gone the next time you came. So I knew this was the thing I wanted, so I began to petition my grandparents to buy this as my gift. However, my grandfather, my mom's dad, Jack Morgan, was a former Marine and auto mechanic who loved and led with a strong hand. There's a picture of he and I with my brother in the background. He could be gentle and funny, but he could also be hard and firm. And in this moment, he was hard and firm because he was not in favor of buying that gift. And I went into panic mode. But fortunately, Grandma was there. And grandma convinced him to acquiesce to the acquisition. But it came with a deal. It came with an agreement. The deal was I couldn't open it to the holiday. Now, at this point, 
prior to purchase, I was so focused on getting this car, I would have agreed to any limitation. <laughs> so I said, that's fine, I agree. But then reality set in. That I knew what the gift was, I knew where it was, I knew who the gift giver was, but I couldn't have it, I couldn't play with it. See, how we get a gift is one thing, what we can do once we have it is another. Knowing we have a gift is one thing, opening it is another. I actually remember riding home from the store that day in the back seat of their car, and they let me hold that car in its box. When we got back to their house, I asked if I could play with it. You know what I was told? No, we made a deal. So I ended up sitting at the kitchen table for hours, staring at this car in its box, longing to play with it, until Grandma finally convinced my grandfather to let me play with it in the box. That's weird. He said I could play with it in the box. How do you play with a car in the box? So you know what I did? I played with it in the box. I so desperately wanted to play with this car. I played with that car for hours. Hours turned into days. Days turned into weeks until we finally got to the holiday. You know, when it comes to gift giving, there's really just two parts. There's giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. There's lots of ways that we can give. We can give cheerfully, joyfully, expectantly, begrudgingly, reluctantly, even conditionally like my grandfather. There's lots of ways we can give. But when it comes to receiving, it's, it's a lot more simple. There's not the same variety. There's some overlap, but in the end, when it comes to receiving, it's, it's really we either do or we don't. We either receive or we don't. And that's really important to understand. Because God has given us a gift. He has given you a gift. He has given me a gift. He has given us the greatest gift of all time. It's the gift of Jesus. We know this from John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God willingly and lovingly gave so we could have. Giving should lead to receiving. God loved us enough to give us his son. At the appropriate time, at the right time, scripture says in the fullness of time, he gave us the greatest gift of all time, the gift of Jesus. My grandfather wanted me to wait for the right time, in the fullness of time for the holiday, but I gotta tell you, that was hard. It's hard to wait. It's hard to wait in a space between now and not yet between what is and isn't, between now and next. That's a hard space to be. We've been talking about this as a church for the last few weeks. So how do you wait well in the space between now and not yet? And if you're someone today who is in a space like that, either professionally, personally, relationally, between now and not yet, I'd really encourage you to get online at heritageqc.com and check out the conversations from the last few weeks because we were digging into how to understand how to lay hold of peace and hope and joy in a space between the now and the not yet, in between what is and isn't. It'll be worth your time to check it out. Because in that space, there's the reality that when we're given something that leads to receiving, but the waiting space is hard. And giving should lead to receiving. It should be the case with Christmas gifts, and it should be the case with the gift of God in Jesus. Giving should lead to receiving. In fact, I want you to do something with me. I just want you to picture an image in your mind. Imagine a Christmas tree And then imagine a fireplace just off to the side. And there are three children holding wrapped Christmas presents in between. 
There's nothing odd or exceptional about them. They're just three kids holding Christmas presents, wearing their Christmas PJs. So you should have the tree in your mind, the fireplace, and three kids holding wrapped Christmas presents. You have that image? Now, a short time later, two of the kids decide to open up their gifts. Now, you still have the Christmas tree in your mind, and you still have the fireplace, and you still have the three kids in their Christmas pajamas, but now how many wrapped presents are there? You're probably thinking it's one. If you're a parent, you're thinking, I know kids. Once one starts, they all go. So there's zero now. They're all open. But the reality is the answer is there are still three wrapped presents. Three wrapped gifts. Because deciding is not the same as doing. Deciding is one thing. Doing is another. Knowing we have a gift is one thing. Opening it is another. There's a difference. In fact, to know something doesn't necessarily mean we receive something. There's really a process because God gives us a gift. Out of his love, he gives us the gift of Jesus, but that doesn't matter if we don't open that gift. If we really don't move from knowing through believing to receiving. See, there's a difference between knowing something, believing something, and receiving something. They're connected, but they're not the same. See, we can know something in our head, but not believe it in our heart. We can believe something in our heart, but not engage it, not actively lean into it or receive it. Knowing, believing, receiving are connected, but not the same. For me in my Trans Am dilemma, the reality was I knew what the gift was. I knew who the gift givers were, and I knew where it was. I believed that I would get it because of the love of my grandparents, because of my grandfather's character and integrity to be a man of his word in our deal. But think with me for a moment. If it came down to the opportunity to actually be given the gift, have the gift, open it up and play with that car, what would you have thought if I didn't actually do it? On the day that I could open it and play with it, what if I decided not to? I just left it in the box. That would be silly, Sean. That's silly. In fact, it would be frustrating and disappointing, would have been frustrating and disappointing to your grandparents. You would have missed an opportunity. Yes, I would have missed an opportunity by not, I would end up not having by not receiving. But hear me, knowing, believing, and receiving are connected, yet they're not the same. To know and believe, but not receive, is the same as having but not opening. It's the same as deciding but not doing. Knowing, believing, receiving are connected, but they're not the same. Yet I think we often treat them as if they are the same, especially when it comes to the greatest gift of all time, the gift of Jesus. But there's a really important nuance, almost a secret to understanding how to receive the gift of God. And it's found in the book of John, it's found in the very first chapter. At verse 10, we find these words where it says, he, and talking about Jesus, he, Jesus, the gift, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So after arriving that first Christmas, most of the people of the world did not know or believe. Yet there was a challenge for even those who were stepping towards believing. See, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, but to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, to know God. When we receive the gift of God, the gift of Jesus, we receive eternal life, we're adopted into the family of God, and we can know him more fully. We begin to have access on deeper levels to hope and peace and joy, even in spaces between what is and isn't, between now and not yet. 
We have access to healing, to, to freedom. We, we can have strength to continue on and the courage to do what's right. And, and His light enters every part of the darkness of our world and our lives. Yet it doesn't happen if we don't move from knowing through believing to receiving. If we stop at knowing or we stop short at believing, we actually stop short of receiving. Leaning in and engaging the gift in its entirety, we end up leaving it in the box. As a kid, I played with a car just like this for hours in a box, <laughs> pretending that it wasn't in a box. And it was okay, but it was lacking because it was still in a box. It wasn't open. And we can do the same thing with Jesus. We don't move from knowing through believing to actually receiving. Giving him authority in our life. Asking him to be Lord and Savior. Asking him to wash us of the garbage and the junk where we've messed up, the sin of our life. Putting our trust in him. When we receive, we give him authority in our life and we open the gift in its entirety. But that stuff is not available. The peace and hope and joy that comes is not available if we stop at knowing and believing and stop short of receiving. If we, if we stop short of receiving, we put a self-imposed waiting on a gift that's available now. We don't experience it in its entirety and we don't experience the hope and joy and peace that comes even in waiting spaces between now and not yet. In the difference between my journey with this car and the gift of God in Jesus is that we don't have to wait. God has already done everything to position us to be able to receive the gift. He wants us to receive the gift. He, it's available now and he wants us to receive it now. There's no need to wait. But if we don't move past knowing and believing and move into receiving, we actually do. He wants us to receive and the way we receive is actually in a, in a conversation, in, in a prayer, a prayer like this one. It's just one way to have the conversation to move from knowing through believing to receiving. And if you're someone who realizes that you're ready and wanting to receive the gift of Jesus in all of its fullness, then I wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me silently as I pray it aloud. If you're someone who's already walked through knowing, believing, and receiving, then I encourage you to use this time to be praying for those who will pray, be praying this prayer with me for the first time or as a rededication right now. Even be praying about who you're supposed to be giving the gift you already have to this Christmas. But if you're ready to actually receive, to open the fullness of that gift, then I invite you to pray this prayer wherever you're at, Bentendorf, Rock Island Online, to pray this prayer silently as I pray it aloud. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I choose to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to pursue you all the days of my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, the gift of Jesus has entered your life in a new way. And you can already begin to see and understand things you didn't quite know or see before because God is showing himself to you now even new, in new ways. You can know him more, you can believe him more deeply as you receive more fully the gift of who Jesus is. It starts with a spiritual dynamic, but it ripples into relational and emotional and physical dynamics. It, it's the beginning of a journey, it's not the end of one. And in fact, it's a journey that you don't have to walk alone. 
we would love to walk alongside you in the journey so that you can make the most of the gift and go into deeper levels of relationship with, with Jesus. In fact, when you came in today, either on your chair or in the seat back in front of you, you would see a card like this. I invite everybody just to go ahead and reach forward and pull one out for a moment. If you're someone who prayed to receive Jesus today, to open that gift, I would love for you to, to let us know you did that. Fill out the card as appropriate, check the right space, and in a moment when the buckets pass by, to throw that in the bucket and let us know so we can celebrate with you. Or actually take it to a member of your host team at your, your campus who has a lanyard on, hand it to them, or go to your next steps area in your lobby and have a conversation there because we would love to give you even resources. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. But let us know because we want to celebrate with you, not just the fact that it's Christmas, but the fact that you opened the gift and received Jesus. And now you're in a journey, the greatest journey you could ever walk, into the fullness of all that it means to know God and be part of his family. You see, God didn't just give us a baby. He gave us his son. It was, it's expression of love. It's a way to freedom. It's access to hope and peace and joy. Because Jesus is the light of the world. He brings light into the darkest parts of our life. That's, that's actually one of the reasons why candles are such a significant part of our Christmas celebrations. They're a way that we recognize that Jesus is the light of the world. And when you came in today, you would have had an opportunity to grab a candle. I invite you to go ahead and get that now and get it ready because we're going to spend a few moments celebrating in song and light. I'm going to be lighting this Christ candle. It's the culmination of our Advent journey. And as I do, I want to invite the ushers across our network to begin to make their way forward. Because in a moment, we're going to begin to share this light across our campuses, across our network, as an expression of celebration, as an expression of proclamation and, and declaration that Jesus is the gift, that he is the source of hope and peace and joy in any space of waiting, in any space between now and not yet. So as we get ready to share this light and to worship in song, I invite you to prayerfully reflect on Jesus as the gift, to celebrate maybe stepping into receiving him today for the first time. But let's take these next few moments to worship and celebrate. He who is the true light, who is our source of hope and joy and peace whenever we put our faith in him and receive him. So let's worship together. <laughs> 